All right, mic on, iPad on, I think we're ready to go. Uh, we are starting a new series uh, this morning uh, that is called uh, Blockbuster. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks, kind of talked about this last week, is uh, we're going to take some of the movies that are coming out or just out, uh, some of the blockbusters of this summer, and just kind of have some fun with those uh, each week, of course, connecting them with a biblical story. So it's not just going to be movie reviews, you know. Uh, today we're talking about Jungle Cruise and actually the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, really looking forward uh, to that. Um, and if you want to turn to Genesis 3, that's where uh, we're going to be. Uh, one of the special elements that we have uh, for these weeks of Blockbuster is uh, we actually have uh, free movie tickets uh, for any first-time guest. Uh, and so, um, you know, if you are a first-time guest here this morning, if you would take an orange connect card, I think I've got one in my pocket here that looks like this. Uh, if you would uh, take that out um, at um, some point, fill that out and take it to the Welcome Center. If you're a first-time guest, uh, we have a movie ticket uh, for you uh, to go and enjoy uh, the movies. Now, this is for first-time guests, so you can't go on vacation for a week and come back and get one of those, okay? Um, but uh, it is a great way uh, to uh, invite uh, your uh, neighbors, friends, co-workers uh, to Trinity uh, over the month of August. And uh, they say, oh, what about your church? And if you're having any kind of conversation, you can say, hey, do you know, actually, we're giving movie tickets to first-time guests. Why don't you come with me uh, on a Sunday? So it's a nice, easy outreach and um, you know, opportunity for us to, to do that. Uh, before we get into our text, though, I wanted to invite uh, Pastor Dave uh, Brady and Haran, if they would uh, come forward here. Um, now, I got accused this morning that I'm always sending people off or away, okay? Now, we're, we're sending them out for ministry, okay? I'm not just sending people out of the church, but uh, these guys are here, and uh, they are excited and looking forward uh, to going to uh, Kenya, uh, really Friday night, kind of Saturday morning, right? Be there for 10 days uh, for ministry, and uh, we're excited about that, and I know they're excited about uh, this opportunity, and uh, we often have... Um, you know, great opportunities to go to Africa, go to other countries, and people often want to know, why are you here? And it so naturally leads to that conversation of the gospel. But I think you guys are ministering to kids and families and, uh, you know, in schools. Uh, and so what we wanted to do is take a moment uh, and um, just kind of commission them uh, to ministry, um, you know, praying for their safety, of course, and that uh, God would just use them. Uh, in mighty ways. So uh, let's do that together, shall we? Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, God, you know, you gather us uh, as a church, and it is so wonderful to worship and to come around your word. But God, you are a God who sends us. <laughs> you send us to our neighborhoods, to our communities, to our region, and to the rest of the world is what you've asked us in your great commission. And so, God, I pray for these two as they go to Kenya uh, Lord, that you would use them mightily, uh, use their words, give them discernment, God. Uh, just help them to uh, minister in your name and to bring the gospel uh, to places uh, that it uh, has not come. And that, God, you would give them safety. You would watch over every step uh, of their travel, bring them safely back to us. Uh, and so, God, we think of the scripture that we had in our prayer time this morning of uh, John 15, Lord, that you are the vine and we're the branches. 
And apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, God, as these men are your branches that are reaching Kenya over these next uh, 10 days, uh, God, I pray that you would uh, just use them mightily uh, and uh, just appoint many lives and people to you. Uh, Lord, may they share the gospel, for it is the power of salvation uh, for all to believe, as we see in Romans. And uh, God, thank you for the strength. Uh, thank you for the provision you've given them to go. And God, just watch over every step and be with them. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Give them a hand of thanks for you. <laughs> How exciting any time that uh, we can go. And often on those kind of trips, the Lord has a lot for us to experience, right? I mean, we go wanting to give and to share, but uh, he often has so much uh, more uh, even to give uh, to us. Uh, and so uh, I mentioned Blockbuster. And so let me ask you this, this question. Uh, when you were growing up, uh, did you have a favorite um, amusement park or, you know, place that you, that you guys went um, and, and then at that amusement park, uh, did you have like a, a favorite ride? Can you think about maybe kind of what that, uh, what that was? Uh, when I was a kid, um, my grandparents lived in Jacksonville, Florida. And so every spring we would make a pilgrimage to Jacksonville, Florida, and then make our way to Orlando and Disney World. Uh, and so we would do this every year, uh, sometimes a couple times a year. And I grew up thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to do this with my family. I'm going to take them to Disney World. Uh, I, I don't, have you seen the cost of this? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think we got there once. Um, but, uh, you know, that was my idea growing up that just everybody, you know, went once, twice a year. Uh, but my favorite ride uh, was the Jungle Cruise. Uh, and a lot of times, right, that depended upon the pilot that was kind of navigating your way through. Now, it got less fun as you kind of figured things out. But when I was little, man, it was so fun. And it was just so funny, especially if you got like one of these tour guides. I remember one guy, we're pulling in, you know, he goes, well, thank you for, you know, joining us on the Jungle Cruise. And he goes, if you had a great time, my name is Brian. If you had a lousy time, my name is Mark, you know. And I just remember, I mean, this sticks in my mind. That's probably like when I was six years old, you know. But I just so enjoy. I could not wait uh, to get to the Jungle Cruise ride. And so there is a movie coming out this Friday that's called Jungle Cruise um, that um, is stars The Rock, and I believe it's Emma or Emily Blunt. And uh, they're on this Jungle Cruise, and it's really interesting. I'm not going to give it all away, but they're on this quest that uh, I think it's a quest for like a tree or tree of, of life. Um, there looks to be a lot of snakes on there. So it's not that I'm endorsing the movie, but this is, you know, one of the blockbusters that are coming out um, you know, this year. In fact, if you ever, uh, I would always uh, encourage you to be discerning, obviously, with any media you take in. But there's a great resource that's called uh, Plugged In, PluggedIn.com. It's by Focus on the Family, and that will break movies down for you, like, incredibly. If you're ever just wondering about, you know, should I or shouldn't I go, you know, I mean, it's an incredible resource that I mean, you're talking about detail, detail, minute details. Uh, they break uh, movies down. And so uh, that's kind of our theme uh, this morning as we look at what's maybe the closest to uh, a jungle theme, and that is uh, the story of Adam and Eve. Um, 
we realize that, you know, it's not just jungle that they're in, but they're in uh, the Garden of Eden. Have you ever thought, um, even just for a couple of moments, we'll stop and think about this, but, you know, so quickly, you know, Genesis 1, 2, 3 happens, doesn't it? That, you know, you have, obviously, the creation account, and then you have Adam and then Eve, um, and then so quickly it moves from the creation account, chapter 1 and 2, to the fall in chapter 3. But let's just think for a moment. Let's pause. And can we just create a little bit of space between 1 and 2 and 3? And what I mean by this is to say that we have the creation account and all of this was created, and now we have Adam and Eve who were placed in the Garden of Eden. Now, God creates all things he creates Adam and Eve and creates this garden of Eden but that so that God might have relationship with them right this is why he has done it uh, God has always existed in relationship to himself father son and holy spirit and now he wants to bring human beings into uh, that um, relationship that that equation and so what you have with Adam and Eve and God and the garden of Eden it's like all of this uh, beautiful interaction, time that they would spend together, the way that they would talk and communicate, we get a little bit of that from three, but you can just imagine that it just doesn't move from creation to fall, you know, but rather there's, there's, there's a time period there where God is enjoying this relationship in this beautiful garden with Adam and Eve. But of course we know that eventually that this story really begins to go awry. Uh, and so that brings us to our text. In Genesis 3, I'll start at verse 1. I'll read the first five verses. We'll kind of work our way through them. also want to let you know that I probably uh, 50 to 60% of the message is in point 1. Um, so don't start to freak out like if I'm a long time on point one and you're thinking, I'm never going to get out of here, okay? Uh, so uh, point one's longer and then two or three are a little bit shorter, but that's okay. And so let's share it together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, or you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so this serpent uh, the enemy comes uh, to uh, Eve uh, in this particular case. Now, what we could say about the Garden of Eden is that God does give it uh, this tree, right? That, that there, there is one tree uh, that God says, do, do not partake of this particular tree. And so you might be wondering, well, why is there a tree? Well, if we think about it and we look at the relationship that God and Adam and Eve are enjoying in the Garden of Eden, how genius was it to have this one tree? You know, there's one tree that God says, don't partake. 
So why, why would it be here? Well, a couple reasons, right? One is that the, the representation of this tree represents the otherness of God. <laughs> you know, they have such a wonderful relationship and the way that they're together and then they communicate. But because God's created this tree, there's always this otherness of God, that, that God is not Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve are not God, okay? So, so that this tree kind of draws some of those boundaries and the otherness of God between Adam and Eve. The other thing about uh, this particular um, tree is that it's also, let me see, I'm missing one of my notes here. Um, the, the establishment of this tree uh, also is a way that God establishes his, his authority over Adam and Eve. So they can have this wonderful relationship and experience this garden together. But because he's created this tree, you know, God always has an authority over Adam and Eve. But it's not an authority that he lords over them, right? You don't see him in the garden always walking around. Don't you touch that one tree. Don't you touch that one tree, right? No, no, probably they had this wonderful relationship and interaction with each other, it's just the one tree that they weren't to touch. The final thing about having this tree in the garden and why it is so good is because the tree gives the opportunity for Adam and Eve to express an obedience or a disobedience to God. Um, now we eventually see that they make another choice, but for a while, for a time period, they are obedient, and they follow God, and, and they don't touch it. <laughs> and so God has this personal relationship with Adam and Eve, but as a result of this one tree, they have boundaries, and they have uh, God establishes authority, and they have this opportunity to obey or to disobey. You know, in some kind of ways, I think um, this is the tree or maybe our tree, is, is God's word. <laughs> you know, God, God has given us this terrific gift of his word. And his word allows us to have boundaries in our relationship, to realize that God is other, <laughs> that we are not God and God is not us, right? And so he's given us the word to help us understand who God is. He's given us the word to help us understand who we are. God has also given us the, the word of God that establishes a sense of authority in our life. You know, right? It, it's kind of like, you know, what God has out there for us to say, are we going to follow? Are we going to come under the word of God with our lives? You know, are we going to say, God, you call the shots. God, you're my leader. You're my savior now. And the word of God helps us with this. The third thing, similar to the tree for Adam and Eve, is that the Bible, the word of God, is this great gift that gives us the chance to obey or disobey God. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, if we just take God's word and we just throw it out, maybe you've encountered somebody that just said that they've made this decision, that, that, you know, this is what they're going to do. <laughs> and maybe you're talking to them and you're thinking in the back of your mind, 
but what about God's word? <laughs> but God's word says this, you know. I mean, God's word is this wonderful opportunity to continue to learn and to embrace, to obey God, or unfortunately at times disobey him with our lives. And so there is this tree and so the serpent comes. But do you notice what the, what the serpent says here? Now the serpent, more crafty, we see his craftiness than the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? <laughs> you know, have you ever noticed that, that we do have an enemy that is very crafty? You know, n never does Satan kind of typically confront us head on and say, you know, leave the Christian faith and come and follow me, right? I mean, Satan doesn't do that because, you know, we would deny him pretty easily. You know, we would be able to say no, you know, uh, no, that's not what I'm doing. But instead, what the enemy does is that he kind of slithers or sneaks in, kind of comes in a side door. And that's what he does here, Right? He says, did God really say? Well, you know, the, why don't we go ahead and take a look at what God really said. Uh, if you want to, you know, hold your place there and come back to Genesis chapter 2, 15 to 17. I don't have it on the screen, uh, but I am going to read it for you because it tells us what God really said. <laughs> um, it says in Genesis 2, 15, 17, that things are getting established. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so this is what God says. He goes, I'm going to place you in this beautiful garden. Now what God really said was, you can have any tree. You can have all the fruit of the garden except one tree. You see what the enemy does is come in and says, wow, so you can't eat any from, from any of the trees, you know? And Eve comes back and says, no, 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 we, we can, we just can't eat of, of this one. And this is oftentimes, I think, what the enemy tries to do, that's why I call this a, an enemy of temptation, is, you know, what God has done is that he has made the whole garden available except for one tree. And the enemy comes along and says, man, can you believe he denies you this one tree? <laughs> do you see the difference here? Right? Uh, rather than a focus on all that is available in God. You know, rather than focus on all the freedom that God has given to us, rather than focus on all that God gives us, right, in salvation and love and peace and grace and mercy in our life, you know, the enemy tries to come in and focus on one thing that, you know, they're, they're not to partake in. And so, you know, all of a sudden their focus goes from this amazing, expansive, beautiful garden that God has given to them to this one tree that God says, don't partake of this one, and for good reason, as we've talked about, right? When we do that, 
When, when we shift our focus from all that is a part of the Christian life and all that is a part of a relationship with God, and we focus instead on some tiny, minute kinds of things, right? I mean, we become pretty easy prey for the enemy, <laughs> You know, I mean, if we think of the, the Christian life as, oh, man, I got to go to church, like, every Sunday, <laughs> you know, or, oh, man, you know, they're, they're going to take that offering, and they, they want money again. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I got I to gotta read my Bible, like, every day, <laughs> you know, or I got to pray, a couple times, you know what I mean? Like, like when, the, when the Christian life kind of feels like that, we, we really, we, we become such a target for the enemy. Where, it, where instead, if we're thinking like, ah, oh, you know, I get to go to church. I'm so excited to get there to worship God and to learn from his word. What a great way to start our week, you know. And this is what I get to experience in God. Does that make any sense? You know, that that's, this is, you know, the subtle shift that the, the enemy wants uh, to make happen um, in, in our life. And now what it says, too, is that, uh, you know, we're free to eat from any tree uh, in the garden. Um, um, but God did say you must not eat fruit uh, from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And if you, even if you touch it, you will die. So, so Eve has kind of added a little bit uh, to it in it. He says, you will not certainly die. But what we do know is that what God has said is that I'm setting aside this one tree. And what the Hebrew really, uh, probably the, the best translation of it is, is that if you partake of this tree, then you make death a certainty of your life. So prior to that, that you know, they are immortal with God. But God says, if you partake of this tree, then as a result of your disobedience, sin enters into the existence, but partaking of this tree also brings death. You know, what is so interesting here, isn't it, is that, you know, what, what God's saying is, is that I've created this garden and, and I am here, but we're going to have this garden where we experience this existence that's you know, really, really close, and we're walking and talking together, all of that. This is Adam and Eve and, and God in the garden. But instead, the, the enemy comes along, the serpent comes along, and tries to convince Adam and Eve that they are way lower. That, you know, the, the serpent's saying, like, you know, you're really down here, and God's way up here. And God doesn't want you to be up here. That's why he doesn't want you to partake of the tree. And so then, you know, we, we, we begin to begin to maybe believe some of these lies. Oh, man, you know, this is who I am, and this is what life is really all about. And we begin to think like there's this great distance that God's created between us and him when, when really it's something much more like this that he wants us to experience, right? And so Satan convinced them of it's like this, so they're trying now to get up here, you know, and partake of the tree, when God's saying, no, 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 if we just keep going, if you just don't worry about that tree in the middle, but enjoy all the others, we will have this beautiful uh, existence uh, together. And so this is what happens. Uh, the second point 
uh, in your notes, the fateful bite, I call it, uh, starting at verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so, by disobeying the one thing that was set aside for them not to do, um, by going ahead and doing it, they, they bring sin into the equation. They bring death into the equation. Their innocence is now lost. And now instead of enjoying this great relationship with God in the garden, they are in this beautiful place now hiding from him. So, of course, it doesn't do what they thought it was going to do. Um, but this is what happens. And then as we keep on reading uh, the third one there, the consequences, or, or more so the response then, starting in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you, meaning God, who, who told you that you were naked? That's what God said. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, uh, and I ate it. <laughs> so you know what happens so quickly is that they disobey, and then they hide. And so then, after they hide, what do they do, right? Um, now that they are confronted, the Lord is looking for them. You know, don't miss, don't miss if you would. Don't miss that they had one rule and they broke it. <laughs> One command, and they broke it. And yet God comes searching for them in the garden. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a moment. If you're here this morning, and maybe it's only that you know that you're running away from God. <laughs> maybe there's some way that there's something that you're hiding, or you're trying to hide from him. I want to tell you, God is in pursuit of you. <laughs> God is coming after you. And he's not coming after you to, to tackle you and to run you over, you know. He is coming to you in love because he wants a relationship with you. He wants a vital, living, exciting relationship with you. And he's coming after you for it <laughs> in a loving way. But often our response is kind of like Adam and Eve, isn't it? <laughs> Adam says, well, Lord, it's the woman that you gave me. <laughs> you know? Now, what's so subtle about this is that, you know, it's kind of in a way 
um, Adam turning it around almost like and blaming it on God, right? <laughs> like, like, well, you know, God, I, I was alone in the garden, and then you gave me this, this woman, and, and then this woman did this, you know? <laughs> so, so in kind of a way, God, this is your fault, you know? It's kind of, you know, Adam's reasoning here just a little bit. Uh, you know, and then he comes to Eve and he says, what did I hear? And Eve says, well, it's the serpent. It's the serpent. You know, he tricked me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that all the way back then, we can see that we as, as humans justify so quickly, don't we? <laughs> you know, rather than a confession, rather than a coming clean, Rather than a coming to God and saying, God, we knew that we had one command and we broke it. Instead, they run, hide, and try to shift blame. I want to encourage you with one of the verses that was one of the very first I ever memorized. And it's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you've read that lately or heard that verse before, but this is what 1 John says. Come and confess. Come clean so that he might make you clean. <laughs> you know, we think that our, our sins, our lives are hidden from him, and they're not. So we might as well come and confess and tell him, so that he might purify us and make us right again. The final thing, closing note, I want to share with you is that in 1 Corinthians, there's this great text that talks about this very thing that happens all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And that is this about Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 21 and 22 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so here's the good news. I mean, we can have lots of debates and lots of talks about why this happened, why Adam and Eve, why they did this, why... Um, you know, this took place in Genesis and, you know, what are truly all of the ramifications and, and all that that took place. Here's what we know is that death entered in to our existence as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. But because of the beautiful obedience of Christ, even going to the cross, God has given us both problem and solution in his word. Because of what Adam and Eve did, Christ did what he did. And so therefore, death is not the end for us, but rather, again, through Christ, we have everlasting life. This is what God's given to us. This is the efficacy. This is, this is the impact of the cross. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And it gives us a solution to what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. God has taken care of us and provided in every way if we just come and give ourselves to him.
Let us pray together. You know, with every um, head bowed and uh, our, our eyes are closed here, I, I really just want to give us a chance. I want to give you a chance to come clean. Because <laughs> a lot of this prayer is just not about me talking, but there's something just in this moment that you, you feel like God's pointing out to you and to your life and he's kind of shedding a light on something in this moment I encourage you to let him do it and I'm going to be silent for just a couple of moments letting you confess and to give these things over to God Now, if you're someone here that has never really thought about this, you've wondered why it is in your life that it's such a struggle, why it's so difficult, why, why peace is elusive, why forgiveness is elusive in your life, why love just seems to fall short. And in this moment, you want to say yes to Christ. I'll say it's just a short prayer from your heart to his. And maybe in this moment, you're saying, I, I want to invite Christ into my life. Because I want to experience everlasting, eternal life. So if that's who you are in this moment, I'm going to ask others that have made a decision to follow Christ just to pray for others here. But if this is you, would you just say this prayer quietly in your heart after me, dear Jesus. I realize that my sin has separated me from you. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I ask, oh Lord, that you would become my Lord and Savior so that I might have a home in heaven with you. And so God, we pray that you would lead and guide all of our lives. And Lord, that you would help us to be discerning of temptations in our life. We realize that the enemy is crafty, and it often comes in unexpectedly in ways that we don't even know. And it often is different and changes. God, we just ask that you'd help us to stand firm in you. To not give in to temptation, but Lord God, instead to be strong. To live for you and to obey you with every portion of our life. God, we thank you. We thank you for the life that we can have in you. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name.